1: Is abuse considered biblical grounds for divorce?
2: We're going to answer that question today, but first let's hear a question from one of our callers.
0: Hi, um, long story short, I've been married for over a little over a year now. There's already been adultery and there's been um, verbal, emotional, and some physical abuse, pushing and shoving and unlawful restraint. Obviously, we know what the Bible says about those things and, um, you know, I would be biblically okay to divorce him. We have a three month old baby um, and if he is willing to get the help that he needs or says that he's willing, I have left our home in Texas and in, in Idaho with family. Um, but at what point would it would I need to step back and say, you know if you're not changing, if you're not doing these things, you know this is the steps and precaution that I'm gonna take although how heart-wrenching it is, because I do love him and I do care for him and I want a family and I want our family to be whole. Um, At what point would I need to say enough is enough and get divorced? I know God doesn't, it's not in God's desires for anyone to get divorced, but with these things, it's unsafe for a three-month-old. It's unsafe for myself. So um, I'm just not too sure what to do or when to call it.
2: Thank you so much for sending this question in. It sounds like you are going through a ton And good for you for seeking safety. Yeah. We're gonna talk about that. First, I want to tell everyone else who's listening to this if you have a question that you want answered, we do these ask episodes periodically and you can ask your question, and your voice may be featured in one of our ask episodes. Just go to the link in the show notes and it'll take you to Speakpipe where you can record directly from your phone.
1: So we're answering this from a Christian perspective because a lot of Christians have And there is a big debate here. There is. Um, So we're going to be as careful as possible, but we want to give you an idea of where we stand and what we've seen. But then also um, toward the end of the video, we want to help you with a plan. We'd love to see restoration happen in your marriage, Uh, but sometimes that doesn't happen. So uh, let's talk about what is... um, First of all, what are we talking about with abuse?
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get to abuse, I really want to tell you the caller, um, that I would acknowledge what you've already acknowledged in the call. And that is you have biblical grounds for divorce because there's been an affair. Okay. Now I don't know the details of the affair. and So I'm just going to assume that there was adultery where there was, you know, an actual breach in the marriage where he was sexually unfaithful, um, the Bible's pretty clear on sexual unfaithfulness. So Matthew 5, 32, Jesus talks himself about, you know, if you divorce somebody, unless for the grounds of, uh, what does he say? porneia which is sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an umbrella term, by the way, we're going to get into the details of that. <laughs> but, um, he says like, if then, you know, you commit adultery, if you divorce somebody, it, without that excuse. But if you have that excuse of sexual immorality, then divorce is permitted.
1: You have have biblical grounds for it. So, And also we need to probably talk about abuse because abuse is so widely used. It's an umbrella term with so much under it. Mm -hmm. So that could be sexual abuse, that could be physical abuse, that could be emotional abuse. And we've heard people talk about I'm being abused and it's very wide.
2: Right. So, in this episode, we're not going to really address intensity. I mean, I've had clients who say, I'm being emotionally abused because I've asked so many times for my husband to help around the house. And I'm like, mm, like, that's. I'm glad you're talking to me about your desire for your husband to help around the house and let's work on some communication and conflict resolution and roles and responsibilities, but that is not abuse. We
1: would see that as marital conflict.
2: Yes. So there's, we're not going to address all the range of intensity for emotional abuse and even physical abuse. Some people will say like, oh, my spouse, you know, pushed me and would you consider that physical abuse? That is open to interpretation. Okay. Your spouse ought not be pushing you, but is that considered physical abuse? And
1: and that's why we work with people one-on-one yes, because it's very difficult in a podcast like this or video just to be like, yeah, anything, you know? Um, so that's why we have to be very careful going into this. And so what we really want to talk about is, you know, when someone's physical well being is in danger constantly. Yeah. What do we do in a circumstance where a spouse is abusing that power and right. ab- and abusing that relationship in that way, in, in a physical way?
2: So the first step, and we've worked with quite a few people who um, have had this situation. The first step is to seek safety, yep. um, especially if you have kiddos, but even if you don't have kiddos, like you need to seek safety. You are a child of God. Mm-hmm. And so God wants his children to be safe, regardless of how you interpret divorce or not. Um, this gal said that she went to go be with her family. Good. Cause you yeah. need to be safe. So that is the first step. So if you're, if you're a pastor, a counselor, a a lay counselor in the church, and you're listening to this going, man, how do I counsel this person who's being physically beaten or is unsafe in their home? The first step is you need to be safe. Yeah. So we could talk about the divorce piece after, but like, let's seek
0: safety.
1: Yeah. Big one. Find safety and, and keep that safety until you see significant change significant evidence of change not just words and we could lay that out later but that's the first thing for all counselors just when there is abuse involved um visit like per our Mm -hmm. our uh, disclaimer yeah yes safety is is so very very good that you did that that you got safety for yourself and Mm -hmm. your kids uh so thankful that happened okay now what, what do we do? How do we go about restoring this? Is this restorable or should we, Mm -hmm. you know, should she be divorced just for this act alone?
0: Right. So
2: let's talk about hope. Mm -hmm. There is hope. We have worked with countless couples who have gone through sexual immorality, that pornea word that Jesus gives permission to Mm -hmm. divorce. Um, we've cut we've counseled so many couples through that. So we want to differentiate here between permissibility and mm-hmm. demand. Like even though there's biblical permission to divorce because of sexual immorality yeah. and maybe even abuse, if there's a repentant heart, let's even just address um mm-hmm. you know the the adulterous woman, the woman caught in the mm-hmm. act of adultery. Um that word there um I think it's m uh molikei. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Moike I. Um, the the word there is the same word that Jesus and Paul use when they're listing like out of your, you know, these things can start in your in your thoughts, and these things are sins and these things are reasons for divorce. The woman caught in the act of adultery, that same word adultery, um, she was given hope. She was given restoration and reconciliation. But
1: With a caveat.
2: The caveat was go and sin no more.
1: Right, right. And
2: that's crucial. So if your spouse is in that repentant state and, and they're not sinning anymore.
1: And repentance, I feel, is so easy to see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is life change. When there right. really is forgiveness, there is the willingness to do whatever it takes to win you back. Yeah. Uh, there is a willingness to put his own... Um, His pride on the line um, because a lot of people what what they don't I was just working with someone um, a few days ago that uh, that said you know there this woman had trust broken and she was you know scared because things were going back to the way they were before the breach had Mm -hmm. happened in their marriage and she said you know and and that's caused a lot of conflict that this week and and i said you know things shouldn't go back to normal right things need to change this is why you know the things that led to the breach um obviously were there for a reason so we need to change these so we need to see big change and there needs to be a willingness to maybe go to meetings for anger mm-hmm. there needs to be a willingness to look at himself go to counseling see real uh real repentance looks like I am willing to lay down my pride to do whatever it takes to help fix me.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's crucial that if you are going to work on reconciliation and we love that we're in the business of reconciliation, um, there needs to be a repentant heart and there needs to be this caveat being met that this person is going and sinning no more. Now that doesn't mean that they're perfect from here on out. Um, They're going to be human and fallen. And so if they're in recovery, they might still, you know, not honor that boundary that you specifically asked. And and if they're repentant about that, you know, and, and you know their heart is repentant, their intentions are repentant, then you might decide to engage in reconciliation. And we think that's beautiful. Let's go back to, though, you do have the biblical right. To divorce if there's been sexual immorality. So let's define this term because now we're going to get into the word abuse, right? How do abuse and sexual immorality come together from a biblical perspective under this umbrella of um, the right to divorce?
1: Right. So, and this is where we could get very theologically or it could go very deep and there are differences of opinion, but we'll give maybe where we fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd love to have conver- more conversations with all of you around this because yeah. we don't claim to have it all figured out, but we're just doing our best to study, to show ourselves approved. Yeah. So um, I think it, it really goes back to Jesus's use of the word porneia.
2: Right. So Jesus says, you know, if you, in Matthew five thirty two, if you divorce somebody, then you're committing adultery unless it's for the reason of pornea, which is sexual immorality. So think of the word pornea as a junk drawer. It's an umbrella term. It covers fornication, right? Sex before marriage. It covers adultery, sex outside mm-hmm. of marriage. It covers um, homosexuality, sex mm-hmm. with the same sex, or pe- some people would argue even um, sexual acts or mm-hmm. dr- drive toward the same mm-hmm. sex. Um, so it covers a lot of things. Now, Paul actually gives us some insight in First Corinthians seven. He is addressing what Jesus talked about in Matthew five thirty-two, and
1: and Paul would have had read what Jesus said here,
2: right? So he's aware, or at least heard of verbally, heard of, yeah, and he's aware of Jesus's teachings on this, and he's expounding upon that. He's answering questions of the people at Corinth, and he says, "Hey, I want to give you some clarity here." He says. If you have an unbelieving spouse and they're willing to stay with you, you don't divorce them. And he says, you know, he actually clarifies, you know, husbands, if you have an unbelieving wife, wife, if you have an unbelieving husband and they're willing to stay with you, don't divorce them. Then he says, but if that person leaves you,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you let them go. You mm-hmm. are free.
1: And you're entitled to peace.
2: Yeah. And you're entitled to peace. So Paul's giving us some insight and clarity here when he includes abandonment as biblical grounds for divorce. Certainly he's not adding to Jesus's words. He's clarifying that if porneia is biblical grounds for divorce, abandonment may be included in that umbrella junk drawer term of porneia. And here's why. When you leave a spouse and you're abandoning them, That is a type of bodily unfaithfulness. You're breaking covenant and you're leaving that person physically. That, I would say, falls into that term, that umbrella term of porneia, bodily unfaithfulness, sexual unfaithfulness, and so many other things that fall under that.
1: Yeah, the the literal, um, the translation of the word porneia in the Greek is actually the selling off, which Mm. goes back to this sexual trade of giving one's body to someone else Uh, or selling off of one's self in sexual immorality, right? Selling off surrender. So, I mean, I I think that we could really draw. Okay. So how does this now apply to physical abuse? Mm -hmm. You really are. You're, you're first of all, by allowing someone to abuse you, you're allowing them to do the worst thing to themselves possible, Mm. which is sin. But you're, you're allowing them to sin against you by staying in that, but you're also damaging yourself.
2: Right. You're, you're made in the image of God. Yeah. You're allowing them to not acknowledge the Imago Day in you. And so they're debasing you and you're allowing yourself to be debased if you stay in a relationship where you're being physically abused.
1: I think we could definitely see how Paul would bring an abandonment under the umbrella term of Mm pornea with jesus's words and i i think that you know jesus is very concerned with the wounded and battered yeah i mean just think about it um when jesus says that you know people are not supposed to work you know the law says we're not supposed to work on the sabbath but then he says who wouldn't pull out you know their their sheep from a ditch if it fell out even in the, on in the sabbath because that is a good uh, thing to be done. You know, God cares for the, the lost, the broken, the hurting. Yep. And and uh to leave someone in such a battered state like the road to Jericho, we're mm. we're supposed to um come alongside and care for. So I think there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of precedent here that Jesus wants us to behave in a loving, kind way, and when that's not happening, it's a very concerning situation. Yeah. And it it really does require counseling. It requires bringing uh, spiritual leaders into your life to talk about this stuff. You know, don't hide this stuff. Uh, yes, the worst thing to do is in shame. Like I I can't share this with anybody. Yes, you can. Yeah. You have to. You have to go outside of you know. Let go of your pride. Let go of the worry of what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, be safe in doing it, but you do need help, and you do need um, to to talk with someone.
2: Yeah. So to get back to the caller here, we just want to tell you, I'm glad you sought safety. And if you're wondering what's next, because she she asked that, yeah. you know, what's next? How how far is too far? What? Mm. How much do I allow? Yeah. And um, we want to let you know, time does not heal the wounds. It's the action over time that heals the wounds. He has to be taking action and you do too. You need to be taking some action in order to heal. So we would recommend get some counseling. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Like Adam said, get spiritual leaders in your life.
1: So that would be considered a boundary and what we would consider a boundary like and stipulation of like, hey, if we are to maintain this covenant then and you have hurt me here this is what i need in Mm -hmm. order for trust to be repaired in order for me to to really move into that trusting place where i'll put myself um in danger again
0: right
1: Um, and and so one of those things i would definitely recommend is we need to talk to someone you need to open up we need to figure out why you're so angry what what's Mm -hmm. happening inside of you where does this come from um there has to probably be a willingness to go to groups and and seek help along the, those lines. Yeah. So those are good things to say like I can't move forward until right. action is taken and this is what's necessary.
2: Yeah, a boundary is not to um get someone out of your life. A boundary is to protect you, but also a boundary is to keep the relationship intact as healthily as possible. So by setting a boundary like that, like I am not going to re-engage, I'm not gonna reconcile until and unless you are keeping these expectations, that's actually okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That's recommended. So we have a whole list for you if you you wanna download it, five steps when trust has been broken. There's five Mm -hmm. steps for you, five steps for him. And uh, we'll put that link in the show notes. People have been using it for the last few years and it's helped a lot. Regardless of what the situation is for broken trust, there are steps for you to go through. So definitely download that and you can start that process and get counselors in your corner. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. It's
1: not safe to do this by by yourself. And thank you so much for trusting us with this question, reaching out. And it's vulnerable. You asked it and I hope and pray that this is helpful to you.